stay in the know with Radio 2000 Podcast. Lanster is in the building. I'm excited about this chat. I I have a, a wish list of people that I want to interview. And this man is right at the top. Lanster is in the building. Hello. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I don't know why it's a wish list. but um... It is. It is. And I think every broadcaster has that wish list. People that you've been dying to interview, dying to meet. And you are one of those people for me. Well, um, thank you. I don't know what to say. It's like, okay. <laughs> because my job is obviously to promote other people. Of course. And, and to do music. And that's why I do this. And you've done it successfully. Let's take it back to 1994. Because that's where it all began, right? Or um, earlier than no, that? It uh, began in 1988, 1989. Um, when uh, Props of the City were put together. And the main objective of Props of the City was to say something against the government and to fight the government And at the time. And um, they did that really successfully. And um, we managed to uh, travel extensively internationally. Mm. Right, They've played with James Brown, Fuji's, Ice-T, Public Enemy, Levelers. There's like hundreds of groups they've supported. And then um, the the road stopped because they, we didn't have a song. Mm. We didn't have a commercial hit that actually carried the group. Yeah. Right. The group had a very good cult presence. And when I say cult presence because of hip-hop and that, they had a, a really good following, but it wasn't mm, massive enough. Yes, yeah. an underground following. Yeah. And then um, in 1996, through Ishmael, because um, <clears throat> Ishmael was the party person in the group. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he still is. He still is. is the party person. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ishmael wanted to do, um, he put together a scheme and that was his passion and his focus. And obviously he was also working on his his solo album mm. and um, when Vavasier in 1996 hit right there wasn't a space at that point for Profs of the City yeah because elections had happened the quieter movement had started mm. and um, the message that POC had was just not being received at all yeah because they were uh, political activists and their their music was uh, political. Mm. And people were not interested in politics. Yeah, they it was were a joyous celebration. Everybody was like, freedom, democracy yes. is here. So no one was interested in, in like... Party. In yes. yes. Not at all. And from Scheme, um, uh, Ishmael did his solo album... And then there was Odomiester with the Wenu Ban. Mm. And most probably in the career wise, uh, there was a female in Odomiester called Lerato. Yes. Right. And she is the DG of DTI. Wow. Africa. Wow. So it's amazing. From Kwaito came as probably our most successful. <laughs> <laughs> But I saw sex were artists in a, a in a 
government field. Yeah, but Lance, you know, listening to you and just you taking us through the timeline of where it all began, and uh, we're, of course, going to continue down this timeline, but we don't really know much about you. You often talk about, no, uh, you know, scheme, you talk about Ishmael, you talk about Vusinova, but you hardly ever talk about you. Where did the music uh, bug bite? When did you realize, actually, that you're good at identifying talent, uh, grooming the talent, and then putting them on a platform like, uh, you know, a stage, radio, television. Mm. When did you realize that you've actually got a knack for that? Um, I didn't really because initially I'd set up and I was recording my own stuff. Yeah. Right. So when um, I recorded between, I think, 1986 and 1988, because I thought I had something to say, which was <laughs> obviously not true. All right. <laughs> um, and then I realized that, okay, the only person who really liked my songs was my mother. <laughs> Bless her. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everybody else was like, like, really, just leave that mic alone. Um, and then um, I was fortunate enough to hear Ready D rapping uh, on a cassette in 1989 which was 88 I think 88 and uh, Shahin and I was partners with his father mm. Issy Arifdin at that time and Issy Arifdin came from Pacific Express which is an incredible jazz group yeah and then uh, when I heard D rapping and I was like okay this is gonna go global right yeah but if I go back, because I'd left South Africa when I was 17, yeah. and I went to London, and I got involved in a lot of different industries over there, including the music industry mm. as well. I was approached by two uh, girls from Jamaica to be partners with them in a, in a um, reggae um, record company called yeah. Carib Gems. And we had, uh, they were looking after artists like Gregory Isaacs, which I don't think anybody knows about. But anyway, <laughs> Gregory Isaac was massive. He was huge. And that's when the whole music thing But because while I was in London, I was shooting music videos for like Annie Lennox. Mm, well, I'm not shooting, well, working on the set. Let's say, like, not. That's incredible. Not, and. That's incredible. Uh, artists like Brian Ferry. And <clears throat> and so I was very fortunate that I just landed in a position mm. that eventually um, led to my breakdown. Oh, <laughs> we're going to talk about that breakdown. <laughs> we need to talk about that breakdown. In the house, I've got Lance Stir, one of my dream interviews. It's happening right now. If you have any questions for him, please call us on 089-110-2000, 089-110-2000. And then you mention a breakdown in 1984, where you had to now return back to South Africa. You're living in England. You're doing very well. No, you no, no. I wouldn't say I'm doing very well. Oh, okay. I'm hustling. You're hustling. Okay. I'm a young, like, 24-year-old, 23-year-old. And um, I'm getting experience in the film and TV industry and mm-hmm. then in the music industry. And then I, I think there was a combination of... Um, identification problem uh-huh. right in terms of who I was yeah. and what I had to do in this world 
and an identity crisis mm. and which led to a slight chemical imbalance which at that point <laughs> was called manic depression uh-huh. okay but now we've got such a cool world word for it it's called bipolar bipolar yeah yeah you know which is so cool yes like now, yes everybody can be bipolar Kanye it's West great. oh is you he? know oh, yeah, okay yeah, Kanye oh, right. West is, is, is diagnosed <laughs> bipolar yes so um I was diagnosed bipolar um and um I'd done a lot of things that a lot of bipolar people do that basically wrecks your life and wrecks the people that you love around sure. you. You do some very crazy things and afterwards you um, try to assess why did this happen? How did this happen? And at that time in 1983-84 you didn't have internet where you could just go mm, mm, manic yeah. depression. Yeah. Oh, what did that mean? Yeah, I do go to the library because also if somebody's saying if because you also question yourself why are you doing these things and why are you having these uh, manic episodes mm. and um, obviously the girlfriend at the time that I had uh, took me to the hospital to the doctor because um, she said okay you said that you're fine okay let's go and get some professional help and see what they say. And obviously, in your bipolar state, of course, there's nothing wrong with me at all. Yes. Yeah. Like, I'm cool. I'm What's cool. wrong I'm with fine. you? I'm taking over the world. What's yeah. wrong with you? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to Maudsley, which is like the mecca of psycho- psychology globally. And <laughs> I can just imagine uh, that guy that was sitting behind there. He was like, uh, you know, because they ask you all these questions. Mm. And I think he was just ticking all the boxes. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and then he gave me this loads of pills and then he spoke to my girlfriend by herself and then she came out and I said, you see, there's nothing I'm wrong with fine. me. I'm fine. And then she said, okay, you see these pills, you're going to have to take them. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I took the first batch, which basically um, uh, knocked me out for two days. Mm. Okay. And I was like, these pills are going to stop me from achieving what I want to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I was in that that mode, mm. right, and that uh, that headspace. So eventually, um, I crashed. Right, I didn't take any of the pills. I threw them down the toilet, and I carried on with my crusade, uh, which sure. ended up with me coming back to South Africa. Well, being forced to come back to South Africa and dealing with um, South Africa in 1984. And this was when the the Iron Fist was really, really tight. The apartheid Iron Fist. Really, really tight. And I'm sure um, you've had this breakdown. You're in a country that you absolutely don't like. Well, not that you don't like the country, but you don't like the government at at the the time. time, Right. But then you, you then create a record label. When did Get A Rough start? Um, I'd say Get A Rough started with Props of the City. Before then, we were recording songs. I was recording myself, as I said, and all the stuff that I was doing was political. Every song had some political agenda. Yeah. And um, But obviously, I just didn't cut it at all, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
Mom loved the music, though. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether she loved the music. I think she's just been patronizing and like, oh, okay, you're doing this. That's amazing. But I also worked in television as well um, at that point. Um, I was also freelancing for Worldwide Television News mm. um, at the time and shooting uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. I even shot a freelancing for program. I think when Brenda got married yeah. at that point, long ago in Bishu. And then I she worked for... She had three weddings, didn't she? Brenda. I don't even know. Yeah, she I had a Joburg wedding, a Durban wedding, or a Cape Town wedding, if I'm not mistaken, but oh, it was three weddings. No, it was behind the scenes when she was on tour with her newly wedded husband. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. And um, then, um, <clears throat> then I worked at a training center, <clears throat> excuse me, in Mdansani. Um, Okay, uh, in the Eastern Cape, right? And um, that's when I also try to put, then I got the music thing again because I tried to put some more music together with artists. I just couldn't leave it alone. Yeah. And then, um, but POC was the first time when I could, I heard something. I said, no, this is actually needs major support. And um, the guys are really incredibly talented. I mean, Shaheen, Reddy D, uh, Ramon, and Ishmael. Ishmael joined. Um, Junior was in Prophet City. Yeah. Junior from Boomchaka. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so um, the plan always was to take POC globally. And uh, and obviously, you know, we were in Cape Town, so we had to move from Cape Town to Joburg. And I mean, we were living in a flat. There were all eight of us in a flat. Even when we went to London, we were sleeping on floors. And um, but the passion and the drive for the music just kept us going. Mm. And that's how Ghetto Rough was formed. Yes, yeah, so, yes. But I think Ghetto Rough really happened with the commercial side of Ghetto Rough happened with. Uh, scheme with scheme, <coughs> right? Yeah, I've actually got Ishmael's track here, and this is one of the songs that you requested. And we'll play quite a few of the songs that you requested throughout the interview. Talk to me about the time when this song was recorded. Okay, we did, um, user user one, right? Incredible, and, brilliant, by and, the way. And Bomb Productions came to me and said, um, we know we're doing this user user one, and they showed me some of the visuals. And uh, and they said they want to do a soundtrack with it, and I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then we did the first. That was volume one. Yeah. So that was with Kylix and Ishmael was mm -hmm. on it at the time, and Amu, etc. And <coughs> we blew it up. It was the the Hizo Hizo track, which yeah. just went massive. And obviously the program was huge. It was massive. Yes. Right. And then um, when it and it did very well, right? And then when it came to the second season, uh, Dead's Ray came to me and said, um, "Okay, we're working on the second season, and uh, we need some big songs." Yeah. Now. And I said, "Okay, but why don't we look at the different cast members that are in User User, and if you send them to us." we'll see whether we can create a track with somebody in the cast. Wow. And eventually, Zola arrived. 
Yeah. But I had met Zola before at YFM. Yeah. About a year before that. And Zola had, uh, I think I was going into an interview with Ghetto Love. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were the girls I from Yeovil. the girls, yes. And Zola approached me when I was walking in. He said, no. And he had all these massive dreads <laughs> going all over the show. And he said, um, can you listen to my song? And obviously, you know, he's like, okay, fine. And he shoved these headphones on me. Boom. And I was listening. And I was looking at him. And I was listening to the music. And... I was thinking, okay, this ain't going to happen at all, right? <laughs> so you thought he had no talent whatsoever? No, no, no. This ain't going to happen, the, what, the music that I was hearing. Oh, okay. And also what I was looking at. Oh, okay, I see, okay? I see. So I was looking at massive dreads, and I was looked, listening to a song that just was not happening. Okay. And then I took off the headphones, and I said to him, and he said, okay, so I said, it's great, but you know, we've got an interview here and we've got to do something at Wild to get a love. Just carry on. And then, obviously, because everybody's got their dreams, okay? Yeah. And it's very difficult to, uh, to squash people's dreams, right? And uh, I'm not into it. Sometimes, and even now, today, I say, listen, this is my opinion, okay? It doesn't mean that's right, mm. okay? But. Uh, because, you know, when somebody believes that they are talented yeah. and they can get on stage like I did yeah. <laughs> and failed, <laughs> right, <laughs> um, then, you know, it's, it's, it's really because you're in that position where um, you can make things make happen. Make someone or break someone. Yeah. yeah. And at that time, so when he came to the studio, Right, there was an instrumental, the Get a Fabulous instrumental that we've been holding on to for I think we'd done this about a year before, and I always knew that this track was going to be was massive. Hot. The instrumental, yeah, just there with no vocals on, yeah. Okay, and then, um, KB, the producer, amazing, incredible producer, and he was always fighting, no, this track is an instrumental, nobody must get onto this mm. track, mm. and then. Zola got smacked onto it the track <laughs> on with Ghetto Fabulous, and uh, that's when it started. Yeah, no. and then well, then we did Ghetto Fabulous, and then Ishmael, Ishmael's track, also because those were the Avulé two de leading Masang. tracks. Yes. at that time, your relationship with Zola is yes. one that often gets a lot of um, attention by the media. It, the, uh, there was a time where it was good. I think at this point, it really isn't good, right? And we're going to be talking about that, handling um, talent, um, the good that comes with that, the bad that comes with that, because a lot of people have said some really, really not so nice things about you, Lance. And uh, I want you to set the record straight today. I, I, I don't think we've got enough time to set the record straight. <laughs> and also, you've got to bring the files. Oh, I must bring the files. No, you've got to have the files so that you can back things up when you say things. I see, but... But I have got a mouth. Okay, and I want you to tell your side of the story because Zola has, has said some... Uh, I mean, and I read an article saying that he, he says that you're evil. I'm not getting that from this interview at all. Then there is Brenda Fassi's son, Bongani Fassi, who... He says that I gave him drugs. Said that you gave him yes. drugs. Then there is Nati, who also says, yes, it's true. True, Lance they gave drugs. drugs to artists. Oh, yes, yeah. So I need you to so clarify that. So any artists out there, if you want drugs, you know... <laughs> 
just don't come to me. <laughs> Lance is here and he is going to set the record straight. We are going to talk about the allegations. Zola uh, says that he is an evil man. B- uh, Bongani says that he gave him drugs. And Nati says, yes, he actually gives artists drugs. We're going to find out if that's true. I've got in the studio record label owner Lance He, You can't take him out of the fabric of the music uh, history in this country, especially at the beginning of the freedom that we attained. Lance has stood the test of time and uh, before playing which is a song that you requested we spoke about some of the things that have been said about you in the media some of things that are not so nice Lance not so nice and we've got a voice note here take a listen yo good morning this is Indombi I hope you're doing good and a very good morning to Lance too I hope you're well listen um, for the longest time there's been rumours around that Lance is the one who actually put a halt to Zola's career and success by shutting down every door um, in the industry. So I just want to know how true is that? And if so, why? What is the reason behind all of this? Because it hurts us so much, the people who grew up seeing Zola as like our role models and all of that, but... I guess you have all the answers to that. It's your boy Terence, a.k.a. Mr. Malapahalagan from Rustenburg. You have the answers, Lance. The question has been asked. What do you have to say about that? Um, first of all, I wish I was that powerful. <laughs> I wish I could turn that off people's careers. That was my thing at the back of my mind. I was okay. like, if are you I that can, powerful? Um, if I can turn off people on um, how many? 250 radio stations, right? Uh, if I can turn off people from TV stations, influence the CEOs, the boards, all these people that uh, where Solar was, um, has been uh, taken off their platforms, I would say that really I wouldn't even be doing this interview with you mm. because I've got better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> but let's Shots just fired. <laughs> no, just let's uh, just analyze this, okay? When we parted with Zola, right? We parted, and the parting happened very amicably, right? Because for me, from my side, I had run the course. Yeah. Okay, so he wanted his independence, Mm. okay, and that was fine. So when we parted with him, he had a TV show, right, that Mm -hmm. was on SABC. Mm -hmm. I've got no influence on SABC. Otherwise, we successful TV show, by the way. Yes, that's what we left him with. We left him with his own production company. We left him with a brand that was second biggest to Madiba at Mm -hmm. the time. Right, Tabo and Becky came third, very low down. Yeah. Okay. Um, we left him with a sell C deal that was huge. That was a massive deal, right? He could have been earning recurring commissions for the rest of his life. Sure. Uh, we left him with 10 cars. He had five properties. He had a watch. I think he had a, a, a merchandising line. That was in Edgar's. Yes. Right. So, um, you know, I'm not that. I really wish that I was that powerful where I could just shut people down. I think that people have got to take responsibility for their own 
actions and if he isn't man enough to actually look in the mirror and actually take responsibility for his consequences in terms of what has happened to him mm. because you cannot have so many people right uh, when i say so many people um females having accusations against him right so until he actually takes responsibility he's not going to get through this and sure. that's not a devil speaking that's yeah. just facts yeah so yes i know he said that there's i've got a very uh a very a very nice place in hell waiting for me very close to the hottest coals which i think is an amazing line okay <laughs> and i it's most probably in the vip section he'll most probably be there as well but it's fine okay <laughs> i can't <laughs> no you can't be laughing at this, this <laughs> so um I, i um and it's very sad it's very sad because we spent the best part of um seven years building the brand yeah it was a good run yeah so it was seven years building a massive brand there was even a time when i was like wow you know he could be president one day sure yeah but obviously uh, that was just like me wanting to sing as well <laughs> let's move to quickly Brenda Fassi allegation uh, not Brenda Fassi rather Bongani Fassi Bongani Fassi that, Bongani I, that I gave him his first line of cocaine yeah what's what's going on there um okay Reddy D from Props of the City yeah. phoned me right when Brenda passed away and Reddy D asked me to please look at Brenda at Bongani right because D had met him uh on the weekend and he said he's got some amazing talents and he needs guidance and the first thing i said to to Reddy D was where is his ego because mm. one of the big problems and this is also a major problem in our industry is that fame is the biggest corrupter and the biggest drug in this industry sure right forget about cocaine and heroin no actually no 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 they're all on the same level but fame is a major drug and once you've had the taste of fame and once you've had that 40,000 people 50,000 people and your head and you're not balanced okay you will have you'll be in huge problems okay mm. so when I took in Brenda um Brenda I took Bongani. in Bongani and I took Bongani in and um obviously he came with an entourage okay and um his um his talent was incredible and that's how we came up with Jorzy but Jorzy was also an uh extension of Profs of the City in mm. terms of the sound mm. okay not the, not the the part the not the lyrics at all Jorzy was the commercial version of Profs of the yeah, City yeah yeah okay um and Bongani had never found his own his own uh, path right when Brenda was alive okay he was always in the shadow of his mom yeah okay and um i think that the um him uh, getting Josie together right and Ishbal being part of it and Crazy Lou and Delez and them blowing up because i took them to spring break took him to new york there we had very big plans for Josie okay so and that 
ended in tears because of drugs mm. okay and um drugs and fame and les and ishmael continued with josie after that yeah okay. yeah so when he makes allegations that i gave him his first line of cocaine right those things are hurtful not only to me but to my kids as well yeah yeah right because my kids know right they were living in the same house as bongani when uh when bongani was living with us and if my children didn't hit me hard with it in terms of how can this be said we were there all the time okay and i mean for me the worst thing that you can do to any artist is supply them drugs that's from that is the you destroy that is, them that is like financial suicide it's this financial suicide for the record company for the artist for everybody involved so it makes no business sense no, for you no to no. give an artist drugs. No. Lance, can I ask that you stay for just an extra 10 minutes? Because I feel like um, this is Youth Month and you are, uh, you've helped a lot of young people, you know, mm. reach some sort of level of success. And I also want to talk about the future of Ghetto Rough as well. So 10 minutes, is that okay? Because normally we should be done by now, but I feel like you still have a lot to say. The book's coming. Ah, oh, we're going to talk about the book as well. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock. Let's find out what's happening around the world. It's news time. Lanster is going to stay an extra 10 minutes to talk about the book, uh, the, the future of Ghetto Rough and everything else after this hi again hi. <laughs> Lance um, we spoke quite a bit about the past what happened etc let's look at the future the future of Ghetto Rough right what does it look like okay so there's the future of Ghetto Rough Motherland we changed the brand of Ghetto Rough into Motherland uh -huh. only because of the uh, the controversy around Ghetto Rough oh I see so I see. but Ghetto Rough still exists yeah. And there's a lot of things that are going to be coming from Gitarraf. But on the motherland side, we've been working on some amazing projects, okay, which um, there's a group called Hush yes. that's coming out. And they are really going to set the bar high for any uh, vocal group, six male vocalists. Six? Yeah, age between 21 and 24 and they are incredible. They are really incredible. Actually, I am going to send you a song. Please. Later this afternoon, and you can only play it once. Okay, all right, please send it through. You've got my I number. I can promise you send that it. I, it's, it's amazing. Anyway, so there's Hush. There's also Onesimus, right, from uh, Malawi. There's 047, who's got new mm. stuff coming up. But there's, there's a lot of new, I think we're releasing new blood right i like but that artists yeah. that have not been released before yeah there's four new albums coming out and um there's a documentary coming out documentary series that we pitch in nice um around the story from 1988 to now i'm also working on a book as well and i'm having fun to be honest with you yeah and i can see that yeah. uh, the book is it going to be a tell all no it's tell all tell all and you're not even holding anything nothing back. even i will expose myself <laughs> not um on a sort of like uh, on a physical level but yes. <laughs> 
no no it's it's and also people need to know people need to know and people young are curious people, young people need to actually understand this industry this industry is hard it's been it's very easy for young people now and when i say it's easy it's much easier than before there's internet you can blow yourself up mm. you can record a song in the toilet on your laptop you can send it do, on you TikTok, can put it, it you, you, there are so many yeah. options at the moment um but talent always rises yeah and uh, when i say it rises because if you count the number of ama piano tracks that are being released at the moment there's hundreds even in nigeria there's like 20 piano tracks being released a yeah, week yeah that's the okay. wave right now so and that wave is going to carry on for a while because the sound is not going to die right but that's one aspect of it and there are some i mean i've got an amazing story there's a person that traveled from Lesotho okay and she knocked at our door couple of months ago boom boom and um she came in and she said to me uh I'm like no who are you no i just saw your netflix and i googled and i found this address and i've just come off a bus 10 hours and um i wanted you to hear my song and i'm like wow okay and um i said so you're obviously bipolar. You say, yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> you haven't taken your medication yet. And she played me a song that was amazing. Incredible. Um, and I mean, I don't encourage people to do that. I wouldn't encourage people to do that. But, but there's special cases. This, and I yes. think this is one. Yeah. Yeah. Lance, for people that want to follow you on social media so that, um, you know. It's just Lance Stur. It's Lance, L-A-N-C-E. Stir S-T-E-H-R. And you're active on all social media platforms. Yeah, well, I don't like saying over there. <laughs> no, uh, yes, I am. But um, <laughs> I'll just push out what we need to push out. Lance, just to wrap up this interview, I'm giving you just a couple of seconds to say what's on your heart, say what's on your mind as, as, as a closing. Um, I think, you know, there's always... If you just stick to the truth in terms of your life, right? They, you don't need to falter from that. The truth is the truth. And it doesn't matter. Like, for example, today, you know, I'm not worried about interviews. I'm scared. I know exactly what the real story is. So um, sometimes other people are just really good actors and actresses. And people out there, there's a lot of fake news. And don't buy into the fake news. Do your research and just make, just assess things. Mm -hmm. We've mm -hmm. all got brains. You can assess what is bullshit and what is real. Yeah. Oh, you just swore right now. And sorry. you get me into so much trouble. I'm so sorry. And but we manure. <laughs> Bull manure. Okay. We're going to wrap up this interview, Lance. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your honesty. And mm. thank you for just being you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for the time. Oh, my goodness. It's Lance Stir. Radio 2000 Podcast.